Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine fanatics who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, we introduce you to a prominent woman and take a peek into her life and, of course, her favorite wines. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I'm talking with Julia Allen, who is actually responsible for our fabulous logo. Julia is a creative director and designer. Julia, I'm so excited to be sitting here in your lovely home and talking with you today. Thank you so much, Michelle, for having me. So let's talk about your career. Do you remember your first professional job ever? I do. What was um, it? <laughs> I So I was a freshman in undergrad at Loyola University in Chicago, and I had just finished my first semester and realized I needed to make some money as a freshman in college. So I went around to look at different job postings at the campus and found um, a very vague but interesting post. And all it said was it was looking for an open-minded student who is somewhat creative, but not necessarily so, um, quick learner and a good organized, um, you know, ability to have good organizational skills. And I thought, well, that sounds like I could do some of that stuff. <clears throat> it turns out it was working for uh, a department called Lucid, which was Loyola University Center for Instructional Design. And in this department, we were the facilitators for faculty and various administration throughout the college to create visual aid, whether it was for presentations or taking their class um, textbooks and doing slides for them and a variety of things, but literally instructional design. It was aiding the faculty and administration to communicate to their audience, whether it was students or other people. Within that environment, I was trained how to learn all the early days of the Adobe uh, Creative Suite. Uh, and back then there was other software, but I just remember never knowing anything about the computer, but I got paid to sit there and go through the tutorials within probably a few months. Then I got pretty um, adept at learning it. Um, and I worked there all the way through graduation. It got to a point where my uh, technical skills on software surpassed my teachers in um, college. And wow. so there were times where they would look to me to help um, teach a certain technical uh, component within Photoshop or something because they didn't know how to do it. So in some ways that position um, influenced what I was gonna be doing later on in life because I originally enrolled as a pre-med student. I was gonna ask. <laughs> <laughs> Which didn't work out that way. Right, so. definitely took a different direction <laughs> for sure. Yeah, but I'm grateful. So it was that first job that really um, influenced your your life and your career path? In some ways, yes, but I look back to even in uh, high school and elementary years where, um, in, like I remember seventh grade, my teacher would always ask me to draw up these posters. And it was somewhat annoying, but I'd have to stay after school and like work on these posters. And I always thought, why me, you know? And then in high school, I worked at a, a bakery, Italian bakery for, four years and um, became one of the cake decorators. And so learned how to use the different mediums for, you know, decorating a cake. 
But, you know, I look at all those different trails of what happened along the way that kind of makes sense now. But at the time, I thought, you know, I'm just making money. Right. So. Fascinating. So fast forward. Mm -hmm. Now you're this amazing designer who lives in the Napa Valley. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So let's talk about your career today. How would you describe a typical day for you working? Um, a typical day will be, you know, checking in. Um, you know, every close of business day, I always have a, a task list of what I know I need to do in order to bounce into my next day. And so I'm always thinking about what needs to happen, whether it's the obvious or if it's uh, new work, kind of the bubbling beginnings of inspiration. But when I start my day, it's typically, you know, to go through what those needs are, you know, emails and all that. And I try to take care of the, the easier, you know, cross off the list things first. But when it comes to any kind of new creative work, it requires a lot more time and energy and thought. And, you know, sometimes you have to dig really deep. For me, music, having the ambiance of music sets the tone for me in a psychological and emotional um, position so that it, it really sustains that creative flow. Uh, and then, you know, you know, I have my various techniques of how to get inspired too, whether it's, you know, sketching out, you know, concepts or whatever the project is, but also, you know, meeting with the clients directly, getting a sense of who they are as people, and also what their project goals are, you know, all that kind of folds into whatever that, you know, continual, the journey of exploration becomes. So and what the project is at, yes. at the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I probably jumped the gun, I should have asked you, or mentioned that you started your own company. Yes. Why start your own company when you could go work for somebody else? What was the how, how did you arrive at that decision? Um, when I was in Chicago, I'm born and raised Chicago, and I was working at um, the largest public relations firm in the world. And I was the art director there and 9-11 had just happened. And, you know, I think for many of us, it rocked our worlds in ways that made you hold that mirror up and look at yourself. And I remember um, sitting with a girlfriend, she was uh, visiting me for a weekend and we were staying up late drinking wine and um, just shooting the, you know, and she just asked me point blank, what would you like to do with your life? And and I was like, I don't know. I mean, I've always wanted to move out west and work for myself, doing design work and, you know, but yeah, you know, then you list out all the reasons why you can't do that, right? And right. I was married at the time. And she just looked at me and she's like, if there's anyone I know who could do it, it's you. And And she just held her gaze at me without a blink. And it was one of those moments I was like, stop. But she kept looking at me like, why not? And so that kind of the next morning, I teased my then husband and said, hey, what about moving out west? And sure enough, three months later, we ended up bouncing here because of a position that he got in Napa. Um, and it was one of those times where I'm like, yeah, I can go drive to San Francisco and get a job that's similar to what I was doing. But do I really want to do that? You know, we did this huge move out west for a reason. And I need to see if I can do it. And, um, I just, I knew well enough how to establish a brand and, you know, how to go about networking because of, you know, my experience. And so I just did the old school stuff of joining the chamber of commerce, networking through them, um, meeting some of the local businesses. And at 
at the time, um, Napa was very <clears throat> different, but you could see the beginnings of what was, you know, happening. And um, initially, there were some people who were skeptical, because I looked really young, and they didn't know who I was, I had no connections here. But I had just two or three people that gave me a chance. Um, and amazingly, it was when the Napa Valley Opera House launched. So they took me on as their designer, Copia, and uh, an esthetician who started her business in Napa. She's no longer um, around anymore. She passed away a few years ago. But with those three connections, it just opened the Pandora's box. And then I got referrals through like the second the first degree of separation in Napa which tends to be the case so um, that's how I've been able to build up my business that's a great story and well said thank you well said it takes so much work to start your own business and then to maintain it Mm -hmm. are you still satisfied with that decision today I couldn't be happier I've I've come to realize that I'm um the kind of creative that truly needs a sense of freedom. And um, with that freedom, I'm able to to really be truly unique in the way I, I approach my work. Um, if I'm confined in a certain structure that is typical in a business environment, it's it's difficult, you know, and will I ever get back into that? I don't, who knows, the future's, you know, unknown to everyone. But for now, I think um, the way that you know, I'm a, I'm a very, uh, I have a high caliber expectations on myself. And so when a project comes to me and I get it and I know the timeline and the budget, you know, I put on myself uh, a very strict framework for which to deliver the unsuccessful goal, hopefully, which has typically happened. But um, within that framework, I do need my way of going around and, and the freedom of just working and being with the processes that I've developed. You kind of may have touched on this already. Was there a turning point in your career? I would say yes. Recently, uh, there was an opportunity that came up unexpectedly and uh, uh, an opportunity to uh, join forces with another agency in town and um, to just form a partnership and see how it goes. And, you know, we tried it for about six weeks, but it... um, became noticeable that we decided to um, end it. So I came back to what I've been doing and um, couldn't be happier. A mentor or someone that has provided inspiration to you throughout your career? Um, throughout my career, I don't. I can't really say anyone in particular, but um, for me, because I work alone most of the time, I'm constantly looking for a source of inspiration and whether it's through other designers, other creatives, but sometimes it, it isn't necessarily someone in my field. It could be a writer, it could be a, a social worker, or it could just be someone who is so deeply moved at the work that they do and how they apply themselves in that role. And so from that, I, I draw parallel um just motivation and inspiration from and how I can just kind of turn it and how I approach my work. Um, I mean, I'm one of those people where I, I constantly am looking for things around me as a source of inspiration. So 
that's kind of a given, but I like to change that filter and how I see things so that it's continuously fresh. So it's like your environment continues to feed you. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Feed your creativity. Um, so I'm going to take you somewhere, which I probably should have given you a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's talk about our project briefly. Yeah. The process that you went through, or, or we went through, to develop our fabulous logo, which I couldn't be more pleased for. Oh, Do yay. You, yeah. Um, it's been, gosh, I don't know, at least a year and a half. Yes. Or uh-huh. maybe a little uh, bit longer. I think two years. We, I think we met in summer of 2017. I just remember there was a, um, there were robins, uh, little baby robins hatching. When oh, we were right. Working. You were showing me the pictures. That was sweet. Yeah. Yes. And why do I remember that? Because we incorporated that beautiful blue. robin egg blue into one of our <laughs> one of our company colors um that's right palette do you recall that process i do um you know i know for me meeting with the clients directly um that direct connection um is always a surefire way of instant like plug-in you know um it does i do have some international clients where that's not feasible and so i have other ways of trying to plug into them but when you do it one-on-one it's always great um you know, with you and the project that we created, I remember how important it was for, you know, the casual but elegance feel needed to really be conveyed in the design of the logo. And so from that, um, it really needed to become, um, you know, something that started as a hand rendered, um, you know, calligraphy approach method. And so I remember spending quite a few studies working on the lettering, looking at the different concepts that we're um, considering. And I know, I remember there's another option that we are really, you know, tied with, but eventually had settled with the one that we have now because it had um, a, a timelessness about it that would also not only fit the Napa profile, but because you're looking at other regions, it would have the potential of fitting other wine regions too. Um, and not just this particular area, so. And it had the femininity to it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, but it wasn't overly feminine. Exactly. You know, it kind of had, at least to me, that's one of the reasons that I liked uh, our final decision was that it it wasn't overly it wasn't too girly girl, but um, right. but still conveyed a very nice elegance and was very beautiful. And knowing that this logo is representing so many, so many of the women that you're featuring in your books, you know, there's a wide variety of personality types and, you know, their reputation. And so I think you selected the perfect logo for, you know, the brand presence and how to move forward with it, too. Want more on today's interview? Purchase Wine Country Women of Napa Valley. It's available on our website at winecountrywomen.com. Do you want to talk about the colors that we chose and the challenges you had with me? (laughs) Not at all. I'm the one that said that. You know, I tend to be very... I'm glad that we settled, you know, (laughs) in the end, um, I truly believe that what I'm providing you is a service and I want my clients to be completely 
satisfied, if not just over the moon, happy with what they've gotten. So, and in the end, when I hand over everything design collateral, you know, whether it's a digital form or a physical print um, branding project, you know, I truly believe then they will, you know, they will exist as a life. You know, everything that I create, once it's out there, continues that brand story, right? It's It doesn't just stop once I hand it over. So the more successful the brand is, it's because it's doing what it's supposed to based on, you know, everything that's been provided to me and that it's servicing your business in the same way. Okay, but you didn't talk about those colors. Oh. Do you remember that process? I, I have a very neutral kind of, it was like all these soft colors and these soft uh, sages and rust. And that's why when we, when I had these little robin, uh, baby robins hatching, and I took a picture of it and posted it on social media, I don't know, somehow it inspired us to interject that color into my palette which was a big deal yeah and you know color is a very uh it's hard to detach from it in a non-personal way um you know I think it's this kind of really deep place that people automatically respond to right and it definitely colors go through trends and so I think right now that robin baby blue color has been um um, holding true for a while. Um, and I, I do believe it's one of those colors that probably won't go out of style, you know? Um, and the other color palettes, we have the, the warm gray, the gold, you know, that they all blend together very nicely. Right. And the copper, Mm -hmm. right. Uh, Yes. (laughs) They were had a lot of similarities to them, but that was the challenge that I think I brought to to the project a little (laughs) bit Uh, but you know it was so easy to work with you and you I mean you provided me with so many wonderful options and um and it you know I just wish I could like poke around your brain and (laughs) figure out like how does she come up with the these fabulous designs it's just it's for someone who's not that creative and doesn't have that artistic ability it's I'm in awe of you really oh, thank you. it was it was a wonderful process and um and you know it was it was I'm over the top pleased with our final results yay so, well I'm yeah. um so proud to see what the brand has done and become part of the first Napa Valley book and I know that you're working on the Sonoma book and others will come after that well, let's get back to you. Oh, wow. Okay. We, we, you know, I love talking to you. So <laughs> we've spent quite a bit on your career. I'd like to talk a little bit more about it and then get on to your personal life here in the town of Napa. So curious, uh, what drives you? What keeps you going? I mean, you, you mentioned how you work, you know, you work alone a lot. And we also talked about how you, you know, are fed by your surroundings. Um, But what continues to drive you? How do you keep going? How do you get up every day and get that energy to keep going every day and be inspired? Well, I mean, a variety of things. I mean, I do enjoy the work I do immensely. So Um, it doesn't mean like there are certain projects that come along that's more monotonous. You know, I mean, I think everybody has those. But there are always projects on the table that really give me that mojo of like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Um, And I think for me, just knowing that, 
you know, I'm in an industry where there's a, a beginning and an end, a beginning and an end. So of course, there's kind of these short term um, highlights of meeting a goal, making sure a client is satisfied and happy, and then moving on to the next project. Um, certain projects have a shorter lifespan, others have longer ones. But I feel like I'm fortunate where I never know what's going to come. And when those projects come my way, there's always this like, ooh, like, what's this, you know, and the element of surprise and wonder is the part that I think hits that little inner child of me that's like, oh, my God, I really get to do this as it work. Um, And, you know, my life style balances with being, uh, you know, a mom and a single parent so that I have the flexibility around being available to my my son. But, um, you know, I I always, I I think about this a lot, like, what am I going to do when I hit, you know, my 60s or, you know, I mean, I have no idea. But for now, this is, you know, fitting my needs professionally. And, I hope to keep going strong, but at the same time, I'm being open-minded of like other things that might come my way. Um, and I hope to always be creative. What do you hope to achieve by this time next year? A short-term goal professionally. Um, I definitely would love to raise the bar with, uh, uh, the kinds of clients that I work with and not necessarily here in Napa, um, different kinds of industries. And also, tighten up uh, a partner partnership uh, scenario that I have with uh, two colleagues that I just adore um, and really raising the bar of the kind of work available to us that um, isn't really here yet in Napa definitely is more in urban areas but if we can facilitate those types of uh, business leads bringing that um, experience into Napa I think is going to just raise the bar here too so Okay. You've you've got a little side business. <laughs> I wouldn't say business hobby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's where I was struggling. Like, is this a personal thing to talk about or is this a business thing to talk about? It's it's bread, folks. It's bread. Yum, yum, yum. Yes. <laughs> you know, so we'll save that and put that in our personal discussion here. So we gave you a little preview. You are from Chicago. Yep. Your first husband and you moved here to Napa. So that decision was kind of made for you. The fact that you chose to move to Napa. Mm-hmm. What year was that? 2002. September. The month of September. Oh, wow. You're so specific. <laughs> it's September 16th. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, so you have been you have been here for quite some time. Have you ever thought about moving to another part of the Napa Valley? I mean, you you live in the town of Napa. Mm-hmm. During the course of all these years, have you ever thought of moving up to Yontville, Calistoga, or somewhere else? No, I mean, I think because of having a kid and, you know, right now, carpool situation, convenience, and also sharing custody with his dad, uh, where we are is pretty established. But I also love where I live right now, which is Alta Heights. It's very close to downtown, um, the little house that I'm in. And it's just, you know, it's not for everybody, but for me, it fits exactly what I like. It's not, It's just a cute little, you know, place to work from and live from. Um, and my community is so lovely here, which I so appreciate. So, okay, your home is kind of nestled in the hill. Yes, right above the downtown 
area of Napa, which is over the top cool. Over all the years that I have been here in the Napa Valley, I've never traveled up this road. So it's, it's wow. I know, and I'm so excited to be oh, here with you. I'll have to take you. you on a hike up. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Oh God, you'll probably kill me. No, no, <laughs> it's lovely. Yeah, no. So you've spent so much time here in you know Napa. What do you enjoy most about this community? What have you personally enjoyed most? And what have you seen change over the course of all this time? Yeah, um, so when I first came to Napa, it felt much more old school. Like someone once told me, oh, you won't be a Napa until uh, until you've lived here for 20 years. And I thought, wow. Um, and that mindset, which I consider a closed mindset, is hard to break barriers through, right? And come with that being half Korean, a woman, you know, I was wondering if I was going to be um, faced with challenges as a business person too. Um, but I think in the years that I've lived here, so many um, people of my age, whether they grew up in Napa and moved away or moving back because they have families, just there's been a much more diverse um, sense of of people, whether ethnically or mindset or, you know, belief systems that have been coming into Napa that has really transformed the landscape of mindset to being much more open. And because of that, you know, it's just such a great place to raise your kids too, in my opinion. There are still uh, challenges with equity and a variety of other ways, but I think um, the support system in Napa from not only from an entrepreneur's um, position, but also socially with friends and families is just phenomenal. And because it's a smaller community, it's more accessible that way. Um, but I also want to say that the the fiscal support that is here in the Valley with the variety of nonprofits is just beautiful. And I think we've become the powerhouse for, you know, raising funds for a variety of needs, you know, whether it's based here or outside of Napa. And it's it's truly you can't find a community like Napa anywhere else. So we are seated here at your home. Mm-hmm. How would you describe your decor? <laughs> um or your style, your style, your decor. How would you, if somebody else took a step inside? How could you describe it to them? I would say it's you know I'm not a neat freak. Um, you know I've got my neat little piles that I know exactly where things are at. Um, you know I embrace. I'm just because something's old doesn't mean I get rid of it. So I like to hold on to things that may not be technically, you know, stylistically trendy but um you know I do like a little bit of um hints of beauty here and there um but at the same time I try to also be efficient with my layout and livability and stuff but um I like you know I'm not an ultra modern person I like old stuff you know so this house is literally from 65 the oven and stove, you could tell, in the kitchen. <laughs> yes, your oven is uh, yes from the 60s, yep, for sure. original oven. Um, but in the meantime, you know, there's other aspects of my life that is very much on the opposite end of the spectrum with modern, you know, skills with being a designer and tech savvy and all that stuff. But... Um, but yeah. your decor and the pictures, I mean, how, how do you describe your, your... Very artsy. I mean, I love, you know, this pasta poster I got in college. At the time, I spent 20 bucks on it and at a thrift store. And I thought, oh, my God, what am I doing? But I love it still to this day. 
and it's uh, uh, the illustrator is Lorenzo Scaretti from 1981, and it's this hand marker rendered pasta poster, which I adore. Which is over the top cool. Yeah. Who knew there were so many different pasta I know, shapes right? for different textures and flavors and all that. And then I'm a huge fan of um, music posters. I have probably a hundred more or more in my flat files and I collect, I have lots of beautiful Japanese papers and um, there's so many things in that, that, um, you know, if I had time to go through it and reminisce or do some other project, that would be fun. But (laughs) well, I was going to ask you um, if you had a hobby (laughs) <laughs> and so collecting and bread might be your hobbies. <laughs> yeah. Um, collecting posters. I used to do letterpress printing mm-hmm. and I used to have my presses. Um, I sold them to a woman in Berkeley a few years ago, but uh, I, I've acquired them. They were in disrepair and I re- restored them um, and was able to amass a pretty awesome printing um, studio when I was back in my other home. Um, and I love the smell of inks and getting dirty with it and the mechanics of it. Um, one of my presses was 1500 pounds. Um, wow. Yeah. So there's a part of that world that I still love, but I don't have the, the space for it, nor I, I'm not a believer just holding on to things because, you know, they're just occupying my space. I wanted them to live on with someone else who was using it. So letter pressing was a hobby of some sort? Um, I actually used it with work um, and did small runs with invitations and things like that. Okay, so the question was if you had a hobby. Right now it's going to be the sourdough thing for sure. So you got to explain. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get started? I mean, I feel like those years ago of working um, at the bakery Mm -hmm. must must have like resurrected somehow. Oh yeah, there are some breads there that I still remember that I have yet to find ever again uh pane bruto which is translated as ugly bread but oh my god the memory serves me is like <laughs> I, I i still want to eat that um <clears throat> for me i i'm a good cook i'm kind of a macgyver so i can look at things in the kitchen and whip something up but the idea of baking was always a very intimidating thing and um because i knew enough about th- some of the precision work required that i was like i don't know um Someone very dear to my heart, um, uh, my, my guy, he has been baking bread for years. And so one day I just said, can you just teach me and show me? And this was probably uh, late summer of 2017. For me, once I get started into something that I'm really into, I go a bit uh, insane and really like, I just try to understand it as deeply and personally as possible. Working from home has allowed that for me to do that. But what I've come to discover is, um, you know, when I post these pretty pictures of bread and people are like, ooh, wah, and I share them with friends um, every time I bake, um, I've come to realize that the the times where I need to step away from work to go and do a stretch and fold or a pre-shape or a final shape, they those little um, pauses give me opportunity to think about my work and my design while yet doing something different, right? And it, at this at this point, it's become very, um, I understand how the dough should feel, what it should look like, how it should smell. Um, but then my head's still back in the creative mode of design. And so I appreciate the 
the pull and push that it does for me while I'm creating something else, whether it's spread or on the computer or on the drafting table. So, and home baked bread is just so good. (laughs) Yum, 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 yum. Well, I could actually talk to you forever (laughs) because you are a great interview. Oh, thank you. Um, So there's just like one, I mean, I still want to ask you so many things, um, but we're going to have to wrap it up because I, I, try to keep these at about 30 minutes okay um so one question i have to ask because we are in wine country mm-hmm. what do you like to drink at home if i drink wine no um, it doesn't have to be wine oh i'm, just, I'm uh, just saying you know we are in wine country <laughs> i have to ask what do you like to drink at home so i'm an anomaly it can be anything i i like whiskey and gin <laughs> right. Are you a are you an expert cocktail maker too? No, I will drink them straight. Oh wow. Or okay. on the rocks. Yeah. Favorite brands? Um whiskey, my everyday is Tullamore Dew. Um but my ultimate favorite is Middleton Very Rare. <clears throat> and with whiskey uh gin, I like Tangeray. Um uh there's a Leopold, which is based of out of Chicago, which is beautiful. Um, Gin two hundred nine, which is San Francisco, is nice. And um, but every day, you know, it's it's cheap but actually really good. Is uh, uh, oh my gosh, what am I spacing on it? Mm, I don't have to look in my pantry. <laughs> oh, she was she's taking the mic there. New Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> There's a television show called that now. Oh, okay. Surprise. <laughs> Maybe that'll help you remember it going forward. Um, well, that's fascinating. I didn't know that about you, so I learned something new. I learned a lot in this conversation, actually. Uh, we like to wrap things up with what I like to call five quick questions. So it's kind of designed to not give a lot of thought to. Okay. They're random questions, so here we go. Okay. What kind of car do you drive? A Subaru Forester. Who is your favorite singer? Oh boy, that's hard. Okay, one of your favorite singers. One of my favorite singers. Um, I'm going to say Glenn Hansard. Okay, if you could fix one thing about the world, what would it be? To, to make equity a very real thing. Okay. Who do you like to call for advice? Uh, advice. It depends on the topic. Who's your one? Who's your go-to person? Do you have one go-to person like for advice? I know you're saying it depends because is it relationship advice? Is it career advice? You're you're trying to segment it, but do you have a go-to person? Do you want me to ask you another question? Yeah. Okay. Uh, (laughs) What's the last piece of candy you ate? Kit Kat. Okay. (laughs) And what is a best kept secret in wine country? Ooh, best kept secret. That's a tough one in wine country. Oh. uh, Okay. Another question. (laughs) Who is your favorite actor or actress? Oh my goodness. These are hard. Julia. I'm not a big TV or movie person. Um, 
Last magazine you read. Does REI count? <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I'm gonna just take it, folks. We're just taking it. <laughs> Julia, thank uh, you so much for sitting down with me oh, today. Oh, thank you so much. It's been fun. Thank you for tuning in to listen and learn about the women featured in our lifestyle books and involved in our business. Share these episodes on your social media platforms so more people can learn about Wine Country Women. Visit our website at winecountrywomen.com to join our list and be the first to learn about exclusive offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new episode of Wine Country Women.